couple of, of scriptures with you guys. Um, the first one comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. And, and I've actually had a couple of people ask me, said we, we, uh, we get the idea behind the tell me the story, but why do you think it's so important? And, and I said this uh, to, to one person just this past week, 2 Timothy 1, 8 says, So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either even though I'm in prison for him. And this is Paul writing. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 also tells us this. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. And then we read in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 11, that says that we overcome not just by the blood of the Lamb, but by the word of our testimony. And um, I'm just going to have Rob just start and, and just uh, share with the people um, what your day was like back in April, and, um, and then we'll just kind of go for there. And I'd, I'll just be honest, this first time... I've done this, I'm completely unscripted this morning, and this makes me nervous as all, as all get out. My brother will be here next week, there's no way I'm going unscripted with him. Uh, and in fact, Nick says that we should do a 10 second delay next week with Jeff here, because you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. Uh, but today, um, we are, uh, we're completely unscripted, and I just want people to hear your heart and what the Lord has been doing. So tell us, run us through your day um, back in April. That was me. Sorry. That was you? Okay. And this is not a script either. I'm unscripted. This is just, I normally sit upstairs. Most of you probably don't see me here. Uh, down here most. I sit upstairs. Um, about 22 years ago, I was playing music at Franklin College for their men's and women's basketball games. And Coach Prather called me and said, Hey, Rob, there's this gentleman that called me, and he's um, announced more basketball games and national championship tournaments than probably anyone in the United States, and he lives around here now, and he, he would like to uh, start announcing our games, and I'll pay you the same as I'm paying you now to announce and play music. If you'll let this guy announce, it'll make your day easier. And I said, that was back when I was uh, living paycheck to paycheck from everything. I was like, you're going to pay me the same. I have to do less work, and Okay. That's fine. So this guy shows up the next game, and I talked to him for a few minutes, and um, he announced his game. I think he's pretty good. It's not maybe voice is a little different than mine, but he's pretty good. And so the next game he comes, and come find out he's from Columbus, Indiana, and uh, his name was Mike Gillespie. And um, Mike and I got to talking, and. Um, I said, well, if you live in Columbus and I live in Columbus, why don't I just pick you up and drive you to drive you to the games? Sure, he lived about 10 blocks from me. Um, and so I'd pick Mike up and I'd, uh, we'd go to Franklin. I'd play music for the basketball games. He announced basketball games and we'd come back. And one day he's like, Rob, do you go to church? I said, I went to church off and on my whole life. He goes, well, I'm the preacher at East Columbus Christian Church. Why don't you, you and your wife come, come to church someday? And that was a Wednesday night because men's games are on Wednesday nights. It could have been a Saturday morning or afternoon if they had a game. So I don't really know exactly if it was Wednesday or Saturday. And so went home to uh, my wife at the time and said, Mike, the guy that's announcing is a preacher here in Columbus. He wants us to come to his church. And so we, we came to East Columbus Christian Church that, that weekend. Um, and um, I'll try to say this one without getting choked up, but at communion that weekend, Joe Raw was who was giving communion that weekend. And my ex-wife, Tina, when we got out of the church that day and said, I don't know who that guy was, but I loved his voice. I loved what he had to say, and you can just tell that's, that he's an amazing individual. And, um, and so we kept coming. We kept coming to this church, and at that time I was... Um, I was the assistant director at the Youth Services Center here in town, and um, 
and I did that for a few years, and then I left the Youth Service Center to go to uh, Youth Hope, which was a Christian-based group home for adolescent females who had been removed from their family, and um, I was there for four years, and in that time, and this is why I'm not talking about April yet, because I wanted to explain how Ron and I got back together here at East Columbus. Mike had um, been called by the Lord to go to Georgia to preach at a church in Georgia, and in that time, we were looking for a minister, and um, we even got in the car a couple times, Jody Wendell and Sherry Wendell and Tina and I, and we went to a few churches to visit, and um, that was always fun because when you'd show up and they were like, why are you here? You're here still our minister? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're not. But uh, at Youth Hope, being a Christian-based group home, there was a golf tournament out at Otter Creek. And um, go out there and I'm sitting in my golf cart getting ready to play. I'm really bad at golf, but I was going to play golf. And I look across and Ron Bridgewater sitting in a golf court, cart across from me. He's at North Vernon Christian Church at the time. And I walk over and said, hey, Ron, how you doing? I probably called him Ronnie, and he probably called me Robbie, yeah. because that's what we did in Brazil, Indiana. We, we were Ronnie and Robbie. Now it's Ron and Rob, and um, you. Yeah, we've we've grown up a little bit since then, just a little bit. Yeah. Did you shut me off because you wanted to talk the whole time? That's all right. Well, Kendall told me he would buy my lunch if I muted. <laughs> that's promised. That's probably true. Go ahead. But we're, we're sitting there at Otter Creek talking to Ron, catching up. We we'd ran into each other off and on a, around here, either through some sports things. Um, I said, hey, uh, you know Mike Gillespie's leaving East Columbus Christian Church? He goes, yeah, I heard that. So you want to be our preacher? He said, no. <laughs> That's true. He said, no, I love what I'm doing at, uh, in North Vernon. We've got a wonderful congregation i love what's going on there and it's just amazing and i um and ron and i've talked about this a little bit but later on that next week i'm sitting at my desk at youth hope and the phone rings i'm picking up and it's ron bridgewater he said you know i've been praying to the lord and you talk and you said uh you want to be a preacher at east columbus and i told you no but if i really did who would i contact and I said, probably something along as well. We had to have it in by last Sunday. So, <laughs> yeah. But let me give you a number. And so I gave a number to Ron, and he, he called a former elder of our church. And next thing you know, Ron's preaching here on Sundays. Um, and so there's times when what I've gone through since April, April 20th of this year, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, there's times when you go through brain cancer and you're getting ready to have a seven and a half hour brain surgery that you struggle and you are, is there really a Lord? And um, I can tell you in the seven months because tomorrow will be seven months. Uh, seven months ago today was my last time I got to ride with the Wednesday night group really um, before this happened. And then I went four months without riding my road bike that I rode 100, 150, 200 miles a week on a bike. Um, and so there's times when this happens, you think, yeah, is there a Lord? And then all of a sudden, when things like this happen and you really start to pay attention to things that's going on in your life, you realize the Lord's been talking to you the whole time. And sometimes we get way too busy and we don't listen to what the Lord's saying to us. Um, and um, give me just a second. Okay, I'm going to change subjects then because, um, so April 20th, I, I go to work. I'm the assistant director or the director of community correction, corrections for Bartholomew County. Um, we're a, a unified department with probation and the youth services center. And so I run an 82-bed residential facility where we do two-year-long treatment programs. We have work release. I deal with people that are on an electronic monitor in their home. Um, and I'm an instructor in OC spray, pepper spray. And once a year we go through a training where uh, we just, uh, after you've been through the original training, we go through every year because we want people to realize this is not something you just play with. It's used to protect you and 
and help you get through things. And fortunately, in, since 2008, when I went to work at Community Corrections, we've never used OC on an individual one time. I'm running an 82-bed residential facility. We've not had to place our hands on any of the people in our, our facility ever. Um, and so I'm getting ready to do this training, and uh, there's some people in the training that's never been sprayed with OC spray before, so I started out by talking about what happens when you get sprayed with OC and why you get sprayed. Um, you get sprayed so you know you don't want to just spray someone for the fun of it, because it's no fun. Uh, you get sprayed so you know what you have to do to fight through it, and you know what it does to affect you. And so I'm talking about this, and I, when I get sprayed, my ears is what hurts more. You'd think it'd be your eyes, but my ears. And this, from what, at this point, I don't remember this part, but I go to talk about my ears, and I go like this, and they said I just blacked out, blanked out. I'm sitting on the edge of a table, um, and I'm, I, I'm there. They thought I had a stroke. Uh, because I just stopped talking. One of the people that's actually sitting in here was um, my ex-wife Tina's roommate when they first moved to Columbus. She's a juvenile probation officer in here. I've known her and her family forever. She was in the training. And a few minutes uh, after this happened, she's standing right in front of me. She says, Rob, what's my name? I said, Hillary. She said, Rob, what's my name? I'm like, well, I just told you it's Hillary. Am I coming? You get no feedback there. And so I knew she was standing in front of me, and I was telling her, I was answering her questions, but I wasn't speaking. So again, they, they thought that I had had a stroke. And so Hillary's standing there talking to me. They, the rest of the staff, they moved them out. Um, I could tell there's a few people, and then um, four fire department individuals showed up. Fire department always beats the ambulance to our building when we call them because when you're in work release and you have a medical issue, we, we bring an ambulance, but the fire department always gets here first. And I recognize for the fire department that came in, I can't tell you by name who it was today, but I had met them before. And the first guy that he in, he comes up and he's talking, he goes, Rob, you need to go to the hospital. I said, I ain't going to the hospital. He said, you really need to go to the hospital? I said, no. And so he looks at me and says, well, you're going to have to sign a waiver then because I am not leaving this, this room without you signing a waiver that you're refusing to go to the hospital. And I'm talking to this guy at this time. This is only probably five minutes after seven minutes at the most. And I said, well, get your piece of paper. And then the medic showed up. And the medic that showed up, I've never seen in my life, even though we've had medics so many times. And working 20, some 25 to 27 years in corrections um, and all the trainings, there's things that you, uh, you always focus on. When someone walks in the room and wants you to do something you don't want to do, or if you want someone to do something and they're not wanting to do it, as a corrections staff and as someone that's been trained in this, I learned a long time ago to look at someone and be like, okay, if it gets ugly, I win. And this guy walks in, sits down in front of me, and I look at him, and he's like, you need to go to the hospital. I said, I won't go to the hospital. He goes, Rob, your staff are um, freaking out. For them, why don't you go to the hospital? And so I go back into correction officer mode at that point in time, and I look him up and down and thought, if I have to fight my way to not go to the hospital, he wins. <laughs> I mean, this guy was like, boom. <laughs> And Lord so knows I, what he's doing, doesn't he? He sends yeah. the right people at the right time. Yeah, I, I've never seen the guy <laughs> at my building. We, you know, there's times we have the ambulance there once a day, it seems like. But this, this paramedic came in, and I look at him, and it's like, okay, I can't beat you up. <laughs> and if you're going to put me in the ambulance, I, you're going to put me in the ambulance. So, yes, sir, I'll go to the hospital, but I'm not getting on your little gurney and riding to the ambulance. I'm walking to the ambulance. He said, okay. Uh, so I get to the ambulance, and he's like, well, you get on my gurney now? And I said, nope. <laughs> so I said, okay, you can sit in this seat. And I was right behind the, the driver in the passenger seat. There's a seat that looks straight back, and they sit me in that. And I felt like a NASCAR driver because they hit me with like a six-point seat belt, <laughs> and I'm strapped in here. And 
Um, I'm thinking, what in the world am I doing? So that we, we get in the ambulance, we go, and I can see the car behind me, and I know it's Hillary's car, or Hillary's following me. Uh, we, we get to the hospital, and uh, when we get to the hospital, uh, Lori's there. Uh, I date Lori Mount, she's there. Jody and Sherry Wendell's there. Hillary's in there. And again, they still think I've had a stroke. And I, um, at this point, when all of a sudden four people that you really care about in your life show up in the room, then you, you change your attitude a little bit. Now I'm not mad, I'm not going to fight with them, even though I didn't want to be at the hospital. And it's funny to listen to some of the stories afterwards because they're like, we need to check your, um, your heart rate and things, and we need your finger. And so the story I hear is I went, stick up my finger but they they do all my vitals and then they said um we want to do a scan um because we think you may have had a stroke so they they take me back for a scan um and we come back 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 in and the er doctor's there and he said we we saw something in in your head and uh, there's another doctor going to come in and the other doctor and I don't exactly know what her title is at this point, but um, in at CRH, the doctors don't really have to do the rounds anymore. They don't have to come in. There's a doctor there that does the rounds for the doctors, and she come in, and she she starts talking about what they saw. And again, it's just a quick scan they did, and she said, um, "There's something there. I'm worried about it. I think you need to go to Indianapolis. You can go to Methodist." St. Francis or St. Vincent's, which would you like to go to? And I said, well, my mom was the director of nurses at St. Vincent's Clay County, so let's go to St. Vincent's. And um, so she said, okay, I'll go make some calls, and we're still sitting there, and I don't, time-wise, I don't know how long it was, but she comes back in, she says, I called St. Vincent's, I called St. Francis, I called Methodist, they're all full, you can't get in tonight. You're going to have to stay in our hospital. We'll we'll take care of this in the morning. I said, okay. Um, yeah, and I didn't want to go to the hospital in the first place, but now I get to stay all night at the hospital. And um, I wasn't the happiest at that point. Um, but I go, and um, that night was uh, pretty interesting because, again, at this point, I haven't talked to my two beautiful daughters. Um, I... I talked to Jody and Sherry. I, I talked to Lori, and um, I needed to, before I talked to my daughters. I needed to talk to my ex-wife Tina, and so um, she came to the hospital, and we, Lori and Tina and I talked for a little bit, and then Tina and I talked, and um, we got a hold of the girls. Um, my oldest daughter graduated from Valparaiso last year. My youngest daughter's in nursing at Valparaiso this year. And so it's it's a little difficult when you, you're going through here. And again, we still think I had a stroke, and they think that there's a thing here, and we don't know what it is yet. And and so I notif- I let my mom, I let the girls know what's going on. And um, I go to, go to sleep through the night and wake up in the morning to this doctor, and the, the lady doctor comes back, and she's like, okay, so I called Dr. Witt at Methodist, and um, he wants to, he want, he's scheduling an appointment on Tuesday and he wants to see you there. We're going to go, we'll get you checked out of here today. We talked a bit. I, I was at home brushing my teeth when I, calling him and he's wanted, he's like, why are you at home? She goes, because I uh, needed to talk to you about this guy. There's some, I, you, you're who needs to see this guy. He goes, well, you need to go back to the hospital. Send me a scan so I can look at it. And uh, so she went back to the hospital and he's like, I'll see him Tuesday. And so she comes in to tell me, and she's like, yeah, I talked to Dr. Witt. He's a surgeon at Methodist. I said, I thought you uh, were going to talk to St. Vincent's. And she said, no, Dr. Witt's who you needed. Um, and from what I've come to figure out since all this happened, he may be the number one brain surgeon in the United States is who I got to uh, deal with. Um, and so even, even during that particular time where you don't know what's going to happen, God is working and moving the right people mm-hmm. in your life at the right time, putting the pieces together so that you yep. can have the best possible treatment. Um, 
because left to our own, you're going to St. Uh, Vincent's and it's, we're good to go. Yeah. Mm. And so we go up on that Tuesday and meet with Dr. Witt and um, had my fan club with me that day too. <laughs> um, and he talks about what it is and uh, he says there's a, what it ended up, it's about the size of a golf ball tumor in my brain and we don't know um, that it's cancerous but it probably is and he said there's a spot when they he also had CRH run a, an MRI on my upper body to um, really hoping I think and from what I talked to the doctors that maybe there's somewhere else that I had a cancer and there was a spot on in here spot on my thyroid and so he, Dr. Witt says we got you scheduled tomorrow for a, a scan where they're going to do a biopsy and once we um, once we get that we'll let you know or we'll we I've already got you scheduled for surgery on the 5th it, once we get that if we need to cancel the surgery we will if not we'll have our surgery and so I get back to Columbus that day and CRH calls me to tell me that my appointment for tomorrow had been canceled and I uh, it's only one or two times during this that I wasn't real nice to people that I probably should have been and I just let the lady know you can't cancel this and uh, if I need to go to Jim Bickle's office tomorrow morning and get him to walk me down to go through get my scan I will because I've done some work with music in my sound and audio business and for the hospital for years and um, that wasn't right. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have. This was just a, a, an older lady that was calling to tell me they canceled my appointment. So the next thing I know, I got a doctor calling me and said, I need you to call your, um, your doctor. We can't put it back on, but if your doctor calls us to put us back on, we'll, we'll get you for your treatment tomorrow. And um, I said, oh, and he said, we tried to call, but we got her voicemail. So she may be on vacation or not. And um, it, so if you could call her, I said, well, if, uh, if I can't get a hold of her, Mike Thornbush told me uh, to give him a call and he'll help me through anything, have any questions. Mike's another doctor in town. He, um, and the Lord put in my life at the right time with a few other doctors. There's maybe some of them here today and some musicians. And, and the guy just stops me right there and says, oh, you know Mike Thornbush? I said, yeah. He goes, don't even worry about calling your doctor. I'll call Mike. Mike will order it. We got you here. See you tomorrow. And uh, I said, okay. So 10 minutes later, Mike Dornbush is on the phone with me and says, Rob, we got you set up. I asked him to go ahead and check a few other things right there because uh, if there's something there, we might as well get it while we can. So when they, because originally they were just going to do the one little scan. When they ask you, can we do this scan, just say yes and don't, don't freak out. And so I went that next morning for my, um, my biopsy and it was, I was awake during the biopsy, and they do a, put me in the MRI. They scan, figure out where they want to try to biopsy, and they couldn't get it. They couldn't, they didn't think they were getting it, and uh, and um, they actually got a little bit. We found, but they they didn't know if they got the biopsy or not. So um, they called Dr. Dornbush and. He calls me back, says, well, we don't know if we got anything in scan, so I'm going to call Dr. Witt and find out what we want to do. Does he want us to do a full PET scan of your body? What, what, what's we want to do? I said, okay. So he called Dr. Witt, and Dr. Witt was in a surgery, and his, his chief medical assistant called me back a few minutes later because she went and talked to him, and he said, you know what? Let's just have, these, have him here on the 5th. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. And Mike called me back and said, I talked to Dornbush's office. He doesn't want to cancel your surgery. Um, we don't know what it is, but what they'll do is as soon as they start the surgery, the first thing they'll do is they'll take a biopsy of the tumor that's in your brain, and they'll start running tests on it. He goes, and Rob, don't freak out, because even if what's in your brain is non-cancerous, at some point we're going to have to get rid of it anyway, so now we're going to get rid of it, get rid of it now. And so... Um, I, uh, sure, I, I, I wasn't really wanting to have brain surgery, but I, I had people in my life that 
uh, the Lord had placed in my life for certain reasons and um, said, okay, let's do this. Um, and so we go up on uh, uh, May 5th for the surgery and they, it, like I said, it was a seven and a half hour surgery and they knew pretty quick. And I, I've not asked certain questions during this because I don't want to know the answers. And I don't know how fast the, they were able to tell the multiple people that was in Indianapolis that, yeah, they had, they had done their initial um, biopsy on the, what they were pulling out and it, it was cancerous. Um, and so um, we didn't know what kind yet, uh, but we, they knew at that point that, that it was cancerous. And so the brain surgery was seven and a half hours and um, get out of surgery and I get out of the recovery room and uh, it's funny, Lori makes fun of me on this sometimes because the first thing I want to know is where the doctor that rides a bike was um, that I seen right before I went into surgery because I want to talk to him some more. <laughs> Again, there's a guy, he was not a surgeon. He was part of the surgery center at IU Methodist and his job for the couple days I was there is to check in on me and make sure I was doing okay. Uh, part when he was in medical school, he worked at a bike shop and you know, it's just, again, more Lord put this guy in in my place because I, I was riding a bike and you know, some of the things that when people come in, oh, you ride a bike 150 miles a week? <laughs> and you rode 162 on miles purpose. one day last Thank week. You. We don't need you talking to you about this. We're not worried about yeah. your heart and things like this and this surgery. We think you're going to be okay on that. But that's the first thing I asked for when I got out of surgery. Was, uh, where's my doctor that rides a bike? <laughs> and so, um, and then they, they took that tumor and they sent it away. They asked for permission to send it away to really be tested so we could figure out exactly what all was going on with with, with this, and um, so again, this, that again, when you do this, that's when there's things that you think, is it really a Lord? Um, and uh, I spent three days at Methodist Hospital and got to come home, and uh, I wasn't ready to come come back here yet because I hadn't figured out what was going on, but even even before this, so the 20th um, was a Thursday, the 23rd was a Sunday here, I didn't come to church here, but on the next next week, or it would have been maybe the 24th, I don't know, but that next Saturday, um, I had talked to Lori, and I'm like, I'm not, not ready to go to church yet, because one, I knew there's so many people here that are so caring and knew that something had happened to me and would want to come talk to me and find out what's going on and I didn't know the answers yet. And so I said, I, I, I'm not sure I can go to church this week. And two, two and a half years ago, Lori says, hey, there's a church that some of my uh, family goes to down in uh, New Albany area and the uh, lead worship singers married to Stephen Curtis Chapman's daughter and you run sound at your church um, we ought to go there sometime. And I always come up with reasons not to. I want to be here. I want to be there. I, 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 you know, I don't need to go to some church down an hour from here. And she was speaking in Madison at, with what she does uh, for a living. She was speaking to a group of people in Madison that Saturday. And so we decided I went with her to Madison. Um, and we decided we we're going to go down to Northside Christian Church and um, New Albany and she's right the music's phenomenal we're sitting there and I'm still struggling with different things and they they lost their their lead minister and they've been looking for one and one of their associate ministers was preaching that day and he walks up and uh, he they have a little table they preach from a table about like this all, all the time and he walks up and he's sit there and he this is Saturday night we were down there and uh, this is when the Lord started talking to me. He goes, well, congregation, I just want to let you know there's some things going on in my life this week, and I really didn't want to be here today. I didn't want to have to talk to people and explain what's going on. I didn't want to have to tell everybody 
that I'm struggling with this and this. And uh, the Lord said, nope, you're going to church. And so there's the Lord first talking to me. You didn't want to go to your church, and this guy didn't either, but I, I brought him here to talk to you. Um, and so I, I, I start really paying attention and listening there because, uh, again, he didn't want to be there. He had things going on in his life just like I was struggling with. And his, his whole sermon that day um, was about when he took Peter and... <sighs> Elijah Moses was on the mountain, but there's two other um, disciples with him. But Peter, Elijah, Moses was the, the ones. And, um, you know, the guy taught, the whole sermon was about sometimes the Lord puts you on a mountain. And you really don't know why you're on that mountain. Um, and sometimes that mountain's really um, phenomenal. And you're doing things and you love everything about it. And sometimes you really have no reason to know why you're there. Um, and, you know, you just have to trust in the Lord. And um, I don't know why I'm on this mountain. Um, but you have to trust in the Lord. I, and I believe that there's a reason I'm going through what I'm going through. I got, um, you know, when they finally got the diagnosis, I've got glioblastoma. Um, brain cancer is a little different than other cancers when they say stage one, two, three, and four with brain cancer with your brain. One and two is curable. Three is a very slow growing. Uh, the tumor is very slow growing. Four is very fast. Glioblastoma is stage four. Um, I had no symptoms uh, prior to when I had my seizure. I didn't even tell you that. It wasn't a stroke I had had a seizure because I was sitting there thinking I was talking to people even though I wasn't. Um, but that was the first symptom I had. And um, and so why, I don't know why I have glioblastoma. Um, but I believe that the Lord's put me here for a reason. And there's a few things that's happened recently that I know the Lord's put me here for a reason. But that night... We get back to Columbus, and Lori and I was watching a TV show, and um, I was still struggling with, you know, what's going on, and struggling with a few other things, and I, I don't want to go into a lot of detail about why I stopped the TV to ask Lori about something about her dad, and when she, I said, when you were a little kid. And you were struggling, because I was struggling. And um, and how did your dad help you through it? And she said, uh, he was saying, you are my sunshine to me. <laughs> and I, I, I had to, I said, no. She said, why? And I said, about four, five, six weeks ago, I started using Instagram. I'd never used Instagram before. And for the few weeks before all this happened, every day, the first thing that popped up on Instagram was a picture of a necklace they wanted me to buy that looked like a sunshine. Now you push a little button and it pops out and says, you're my sunshine. And I thought, I don't know who you want me to buy that for because that's not a very pretty necklace. <laughs> but every day it came up. And so I I pull up the picture, show it to Lori, um, because I said, what did your dad do for you when you were your kid to help you through things? He sang, you were my sunshine to me. I showed it to her. That never showed up on my Instagram feed. It's not showed up again since that night. But I think the Lord was putting that in front of me so I can look and say, okay, yeah, there is the Lord. Um, Two years ago, I believe, my oldest daughter at family day for her sorority at Valpo, their whole, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The theme of their family day had a banner that said, you are my sunshine. I didn't remember that, but that was two years ago. My youngest daughter this year, theme of 
her um, family day for her sorority, a different sorority two years later. They didn't ask Riley, what do you want the theme to be for this? It was their banner says, you are my sunshine. And so again, we get too busy in life and um, we, don't, we don't hear those things that the Lord's putting, putting in front of us. Um, and so it's things like that where when I've gone through this that I can honestly say, yeah, I don't understand. But there is a Lord, and there, He's doing the. There, he knows what's going on, and I've got to trust that. And one of the things I've done with every doctor I've went through, when they walk in the room, I would tell them first up, I don't want to talk about my life expectancy. I don't know, because if it's this, that means somebody did uh, this much, somebody did this much. I'm fighting for this much, um, so I don't talk to the doctors and the medical staff about that. Um, because it's between me and the Lord. And he's got a purpose for what's going on now. And um, and I just trust that. Amen. One thing we talked about at lunch the other day was that <clears throat> even when circumstances in your life are not good, that doesn't change the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. And for you to be able to... Um, and I, honestly, Rob, I hope I would, I hope if I ever had to go through what you're going through, I would handle it as confidently and graciously as you have. And that just because we are going through these troubles, God doesn't change. His goodness doesn't change. Um, and, and you've seen that goodness all the way from the day you had your first episode and who he sent to pick you up in the ambulance, you, the doctor that you had at the hospital, the doctors that he provided to do the surgery, all of these little pieces, the goodness of God, you've seen all that through. And I know that going here forward, you, you're still seeing the goodness of God in different ways. And um, is, is that something you can just speak about for a, a, a brief moment, just the goodness that you've seen in spite of um, what seems like not good circumstances. Yeah. Um, you know, when I had six weeks of um, every day, Monday through Friday, I went to the hospital and did radiation. Uh, and six weeks of every day, I took chemo pills. Um, I didn't know that you can do chemotherapy with pills now. And towards the end of, end of that, and um, the, the cancer center staff at Columbus Regional are just amazing. And I, again, I ran sound, provided audio visual for CRH when they're giving big awards to all their top staff and who needs awards sometimes are those people that every day when I went in, they had a smile on their face, were happy to see me and help me through this treatment. Um, but there's still days that, you know, you wake up and you're struggling. And I remember one is close to the end of my, my treatment. I was walking in one day for my treatment and Kevin Roth and Orletta Roth and Joe Roth were walking out of the hospital and Joe and I got to see each other, and Joe just kind of nodded at me. Um, and um, he's, a, he's an amazing individual, and uh, he's one of those people, and I know we just had the sermon, I Am, series, I Am, and we talk about who Jesus is, and I, um, I taught for Indiana Wesleyan for a while after I got my master's, and uh, John Maxwell, who was a preacher, writes a lot of leadership books, was on Indiana Wesleyan's uh, board of directors, and he was in Indiana giving a speech once, and so I got to go uh, hear Maxwell in person, and he, when he does most of these um, most of these things, it's again a business thing, so he can't really talk about 
the Christian church and Christ and he gets done. He's like, so anybody wants, we're going to take a 15 minute break. The ones that want to leave, you go ahead and leave. Anyone wants to hear about um, why I do what I do and my faith, stick around. And so I'd taken my boss, Brad Barnes, the chief uh, probation officer, director of court services, and we stuck around. And one of the things Maxwell talked about was um, how we get to heaven. And his, his, the person he used was Mother Teresa. Everybody know who Mother Teresa is? And she's done a lot of very good, many, many, many great deeds. And Joe Roth has done many, many, many great deeds. Ron, each of you, we've all done lots of great things, but that doesn't get us to heaven. And Maxwell talked about it. He said, imagine a ladder. And for every good deed you do, you get to take a step towards heaven. And, uh, I know when I'm looking up that ladder, I see Mother Teresa and she's way up there and I can never get to her because there's no way I can get to those good deeds and Mother Teresa can't get to heaven by doing good deeds. It's that we have to accept Christ as our Savior and that he, he died on the cross for us. And, um, you know, again, we, we don't always know why things happen. And I when I ran Youth Hope, there was a girl that came to me once and the last song before that was on played before it was this song today before Spencer come up and did his music in the worship team a girl come to me her dad um, had lots of um, physical disabilities he couldn't provide the care for her. her mom had a lot of emotional and mental disabilities and she couldn't provide care for her and so this girl ended up in our group home and she comes into my office one morning early and Ask the girls probably wasn't up yet, and I was pretty new to to that. And she's like, "Rob, do you believe in God?" And I said, "Yes." She goes, "Why?" How do you answer that to a fourteen-year-old girl that's been removed from her family and placed in front of you? And I'm like, um, "I don't know." She goes, "Why? How do you believe in God?" My dad has these disabilities; can't take care of me. Mom has these disabilities; she can't take care of me, and I have to live in this group home. And you, it's a Christian group home, and you believe in God. And again, this is what music is, where, I mean, music brought me to this church. It's kept me in this church, but it pops into my head, Mark Schultz's song, Closer to You. And I, um, I don't know if I had it in my car or whatever, so I got the CD out. Some of you younger ones, you don't even know what a CD is. So I got the CD out, and I gave it to her and said, go listen to this. Um, and she did and she come back and she sits down a couple hours later and she's crying and she goes okay Rob I believe in God too and if you don't know the words of that song is it's how can you still smile, be smiling after all you've been through how can you be dancing after all you've been through it's because I'm just a day closer to you and what I had told her is I don't know the answers to what happened with your mom your dad why you're here but if you accept Jesus as your Savior and you live your life for Christ, someday you will get the answers you need because you can ask God. You can ask Jesus yourself. Uh, and um, that's what's going on right now in my life. I, you know, why am I going through this? I don't know. I mean, my goal in my life was to be an amazing dad. Mike Gillespie baptized me in this this baptismal. When my oldest daughter wanted to be baptized, Ron comes to our house and we're sitting there and he's like, so Taylor, do you want me to baptize you? you want your dad to baptize you? I never even knew that I could do that. I thought he got some special training in Bible school that got him to be able to do that. And I kind of look at him, he's like, I'm no one more special than you, Rob. I'm like. Okay, so I got to baptize Taylor, and a few years later, I got to baptize Riley. And um, so those were two of the most amazing days of my life, um, was I got to baptize my own kids. And, um, you know, May 5th was my surgery. That was a Friday. A week from that Saturday, my oldest daughter graduated from college, and I 
my prayers was I want to be there. I got to go to my daughter's graduation eight days after I had a seven-hour brain surgery. I was at Valparaiso. That was awesome. It was also tough because I know I got another daughter graduating in a couple years, and so my goal right now is I'm going to get to that graduation. And then my other goals in life is um, I want to walk both my daughters down the aisle when they get married. And um, Tina's mom and dad are here. My mom's here. My girls have three amazing grandparents. Um, can I talk to my dad? Yeah. My dad's not been the best grandparent to me. My dad's not been the best dad to me. Um, so one of the things I'd always prayed for is that I got to be a good dad. And there's three grandparents in here for my daughters that are just amazing. And so I want to get through my youngest daughter graduating. I want to walk both of them down the aisle. And I want to be an amazing grandpa someday. And that's why I don't want to know any doctor tell me what life expectancy is. Because if it was, I'm going to use big numbers today. If it was 10 years, that means someone didn't make it 10 years and someone made it 20. I want the 20. Um, and I want to change people's lives because they see me um, not giving up on God, not forgetting why we're here. Um, and the, when I finish my, uh, my treatment at CRH, you get to ring a bell. I didn't know I was ringing a bell. I didn't know anything about it. I ring this bell, I walk out, turn a corner, and there's... Uh, I think it was 47 or 50. I'll use a preacher. The Rob name. Gaskell fan club, um, pretty much. Standing at CRH <laughs> to see me walk out of my last radiation treatment. Um, those are things that we, you know, there's a Lord. Um, and I hope by sitting up here, it's not the easiest thing to do. I didn't even get out of my chair yesterday. I didn't even get outside. I sit in my house all day yesterday, probably because I was worried about what's going on. Um, but if somehow, listen to what I've gone through, help someone get just a day closer to the Lord, then I, I've done what, what I'm here for. Amen. Well, as we, as we put a bow on this today, there's two things I want to share with everyone. Um, one is this. We, we talked about this the other day, and that is um, that the Lord comforts us in all of our sorrows so that we can comfort other people with the same comfort that we've been shown and that we've been given. We talked about that uh, some before, uh, a couple weeks ago. And so one thing I know that's on your heart and on your mind right now is that you want to help other people who are going through something similar to what you're going through. And I know you're going to do a great job at that, and you've already helped people. You're wearing a hat right now, uh, Ariel Roberts Foundation. They helped you, her mother. This is the young cheerleader from North that passed away um, a little while back. Um, and they've reached out to you and have helped, helped you. So you know that your mission is to help other people with and show that comfort. And then the other thing that I want to share is, is this, and it comes from James chapter 5, verse 14. And it says, are any among you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. Now, we had planned to do that today. Um, some sickness is running through our eldership and with Rob's... Um, I, I guess for lack of better terms, uh, inability to fight off some things because of your treatment, we felt that was best not to lay hands on him today and maybe expose him to COVID or some other kind of illness that could make him pretty sick. So we're not going to do that. We'll do that at a later date. Uh, but what I do want to do is just ask you all to join me in prayer for Rob. Um, and I'm going to say this, you know, again, a lot of a lot of sickness is going around. A lot of times we'd join hands if you're comfortable with that. I want you to do that if you're not. 
Put your hand on a shoulder of maybe the person next to you. Don't share the germs. If you're not comfortable with it, just say, I'd rather not. Nobody's going to look at you weird. Um, but I want to pray for Rob this morning. Uh, I want to lift him before the Lord. And I selfishly am going to pray that God touches him. And heals him. Because I believe that he can. Whether he chooses to or not, I don't know. We'll leave that up to him. But he's no less good if he doesn't. And so would you just agree with me this morning? That God can heal him. And would you pray that with me? And that God would just use him as a vessel of his goodness and his mercy for however long God chooses to keep all of us here, right? What are we, a mist that appears for a little while and then we vanish? None of us are guaranteed the rest of today. So I love your approach of not putting a timeline on it because none of us have a timeline, right? And so um, I'm just, just, would you all stand with me? I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And uh, Caleb, if you just play a little bit in the background. Rob, you come over here if you would, bub. Yeah. See, that's how good he is. He's even he's running sound from the table up here. That's just how he can multitask. Um, again, I want you to I want you to look out at all the people, your fan club, your family, everybody that's here, and your church family. And know that uh, together we're going to continue to lift you. Not just today. This isn't just some dramatic thing. This is something that I believe God can work in. And uh, I want you all to agree. Would you all just write Rob's name at the top of your list and pray for him every single day. Would you agree to do that with me? Say amen. Amen. Let's bow together.